We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded All right, Panthers fans, another edition of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis, Billy Marshall back with you again on Blue Wire. Got a lot to talk about, of course. Uh, Carolina drops a tough one in the division at, uh, against Tampa at home. Uh, very, very disheartening second half. A lot of things to look forward to in terms of analysis here, and Billy's here to help me break it down. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. How are you, John? I am okay. I am, uh, you know, I've seen this team play better games. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was, um, I, I think we kind of expected uh, one of these games to pop up eventually with the talent deficit this this team had coming into this season, and they've been very competitive all throughout. Um, I think you and I both – uh, I, I was leaning Carolina in this game, actually. I know you weren't, but 
think we both figured they'd be a little more competitive than this. Uh, let's just start right into it. Your take on what you saw on Sunday, and then we'll dive into the positional breakdowns. Sure. So what I saw on Sunday was one team that kept it competitive for one half with a Super Bowl favorite, and I saw the Super Bowl favorite take over in the second half. And so a couple of things stand out. The first thing is that Carolina, their margin for error, especially on offense, is kind of low. Yeah, because they are they're very efficient. They're not explosive. And I know we've gone over this, and they had a couple explosive plays in this game. But when you're an offense that doesn't really rely on deep shots like Tampa does, and they Tampa can, can score quickly as we saw yesterday. But when you're in that situation, you can't turn the ball over. And the Panthers unfortunately had a really uh, unfortunate turnover starting the second half. And then I just felt that it was the adjustments that Tampa's defense in particular made to really confuse Bridgewater, whether it was the interception like that I just referenced or their blitzes and coverages were schemed up really well in that second half to really confuse um, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, Carolina competed really well in that first half and they gave themselves a chance potentially if things broke right, but Unfortunately, when you're playing in an opposition like that, you have to be perfect for 60 minutes, um, and they weren't. And I felt that – I mean, I don't really feel like it's um, a, a negative per se. I, I don't want – I know there's been a lot of people – they've had different reactions, but for the most part, most people kind of expected it right. in some ways. But I don't really see a lot of the doomsday tweets I saw after a few games this year. Yeah, I, I I made the same point yesterday. Obviously, you, you know, and Matt Rule made it very clear after the game, it's unacceptable. He said all the right things you want to hear from a coach. But, you know, I, I made it the point, too, that let's maybe not panic so much here because this was a, a, a game that I felt they could keep closer than this, obviously. I, I felt they could even possibly squeak one out here because Tampa was coming off a very bad performance against a very good team, though. And yeah. uh, what had to go right for Carolina went right early on. They got the peanut punch from Shaq Thompson. They got the field position. They capitalized off that. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. The, when you're consistently going for it on fourth down, which is good. I mean, I, I'm all for it when it's, when, when it's within the margin of error there. Um, and you're consistently having to pull things out of your hat um, to just stay close in games. I mean, we've seen it all season long. They've had to go above and beyond their talent level in terms of scheming things up and, and uh, being bold just to stay in games. And uh, right. I think Tampa just kind of put their, their neck on their throat in the second half and said, enough of this BS. We're, we're far better than this team talent-wise. We have the staff to, to overwhelm them. And uh, it, it definitely showed, no doubt. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And- no, you're definitely right. I mean, the fourth down conversions were obviously fun. I just took issue with the fake punt. <laughs> oh, God, we'll get to that. that, <laughs> that was, uh, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Well, we could just dive into kind of how this game started out. You know, obviously 7 nothing Carolina. Tampa comes back, ties at 7-7 with a nice long drive. And then, of course, you get uh, a big quick hitter to DJ Moore there for the touchdown that was set up, of course, by one of the few explosive plays we've seen. Uh, in recent weeks here by this offense. But uh, to your point, you go back and look at the explosive plays. I want to just kind of read off the game book here of what the the differential here was. The the, the 10 biggest plays for Tampa yesterday, 
98, 44, 31, 25, 23, 22, 19, 19, 17, 16. They had 10 yeah. plays over 15 yards, Billy. Guess how many Carolina had? Let's take a wild guess. Two? Four. <laughs> you weren't off by much. Um, I mean, the only two I could think of were both the DJ receptions. That long went down the sideline and then touchdown. Yeah, they had two over 20 yards. They had four over 15 yards. So, technically, they only had two explosive plays. So, you're right on that. So, uh, let's just kind of do our usual thing here. We'll start with the offense. Of course, Teddy Bridgewater uh, suffered a, looks like a, a relatively minor, relatively minor uh, knee injury. Not the same knee he almost destroyed in 2016. So, that's good. You like to see the fact that he's not re-aggravating that one. But his Status is in question right now, but just going back and maybe looking at the game, um, what did you think he did well, not so well? Where are we with Teddy this week? Yeah, so first half, obviously good. Uh, I mean, everyone in offense was particularly um, fine in that first half. They were moving the ball effectively, efficiently. They were um, really confusing Todd Bowles, and he really didn't have many answers for them um and, but that's the thing when you when you're an offense like carolina you have to be it's it's tough to come up with a script for 60 minutes when you are going to face adversity and wow. it, it comes down to adjustments in that part of the game and for me i just felt like i said in the beginning todd bowles was really able to um, affect the game from a schematic standpoint in that second half where they were, I mean, it wasn't talent because that same talent was playing in the first half and they weren't really playing all that well. Um, and what he was able to do with the coverages and just the disguise, it, it really just threw everything off for Bridgewater. And then um, a guy like him, he has to play well for 60 minutes. And I mean, it, it was a typical Bridgewater game. I mean, the accuracy wasn't great in that first half. I know he started out like 12 of 12 or something crazy. His accuracy numbers are, right. um, they're fine, but just watching him, it didn't really feel like he was delivering the ball in the right places. Nope. And obviously we saw that DJ um, reception. I mean, he kind of underthrew him there. Uh, I don't want to get too harsh on that one because of the fact that it's uh um, you know, deep passes, especially nine rides, are always tough. But uh, but you know what I mean, John. I, 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 know, I know. It, it just felt like his accuracy was kind of holding them back from um, doing more. And then, obviously, in the in the second half, Tampa's defense just took over, and Bridgewater and the offense didn't have an answer. But that's been kind of the story of the season. Well, that's the point I made in the early portion of that game was, you know, buyer beware on this first half because the, the <laughs> 12 straight completions or whatever it was for Bridgewater, that's great. But so much of that, once again, you just look at the passing chart is just either at the line of scrimmage or just past it. And uh, you're not asking a whole lot of a quarterback at that point other than to be simply a point guard, as I've called him all, all throughout this process. And I, I like Teddy, but there are limitations. And we've talked about those limitations um, the, the pass to DJ down the boundary. I mean, you know, Daryl Johnson was pretty adamant on the, the Fox coverage there, whom I respect, by the way, that that could have been a touchdown. Uh, obviously, he's got a better view of that than I did. I haven't looked at the all 22 on that. Yeah, play, no, but, I, 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 I like that crew. They're pretty, they're pretty yeah, good. Burkhart and Johnson do a good job. And I think that that, that was a pretty fair assessment. I'm mean, going to get some pressure there, but you know, you, you got to have the, the ability to deliver under pressure. Uh, the, 
screen to DJ was well designed. It was good to see some of that sort of North Turner misdirection we've seen in the past with uh, the jet sweep action. And yep. They really fooled that second level, and they uh, Trent Scott hats off to him. He got out there and destroyed Ross Cockrell. That was a nice block. As so, he's good. Yeah. Um, no, but, go ahead. That play, I believe, I saw it in 2017 when the Panthers played the Patriots. I'm sure. I'm sure that was the game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. If um, you remember, they went into Foxborough. They did something similar to that where they had McCaffrey go on one side and then all the Patriots kind of converged and then Cam had an easy throw on it. Was a, that was a screen to Fozzie Whitaker. I remember that call. Yes, yes, um, that is. That was yeah. a great call. Great. That was a Mike Shula call, by the way. But I, yep. I, the game I'm thinking of, too, is they did some of that against the Bucks in 18 when they put up yep, 35. Yep. The yeah, no, it, it, this is, that, that's and, certainly uh, been a concept that's carried over. Yeah. I mean, and I, 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 I like seeing the misdirection. That's what you want to see with the weapons they have. A lot of good horizontal talent there that can also get the ball in their hands, get them out in space, and, and do some good things. Uh, Robbie Anderson was targeted four times in the first half, twice in the second half. Curtis Samuel caught less than 10 yards worth of passes. Um, what do you make of all that? I mean, scheme-wise, I know Tampa is much better in the secondary than a lot of teams they faced. Uh, schematically, they get a lot of pressure, but um, – you a little concerned there? Uh, with Samuel, no, not necessarily. And this is something that I I've, haven't really watched um, too much of. I haven't dialed in on why he wasn't targeted. But I mean, I mean, the past you know few weeks, the entire narrative was that DJ Moore wasn't getting targeted. Where's DJ? So, Everybody was obsessing over mean, it. And now he gets his. A, a pretty large share of targets. I mean, he turned it into something that was worthwhile. So credit to him for that. But at the same time, I think we also have to realize that it's going to come at a cost of other players because sure. I mean, I made this point last week, this offense really does not have, um, I mean, I just, maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's the schematics of what the offense is tailored for. It, it doesn't do um, a good enough job, in my opinion, of distributing the ball to multiple players in a single game. Um, because sometimes you, you see, like, players, I mean, quarterbacks, like, they can distribute the ball, like, to seven different receivers in a game. I feel like for Carolina, it's a limited number of players get the targets, and which I'm fine with. It's working. And because of the talent level you do have, um, it gives you kind of a, a higher floor of managing expectations in that regard. But I, I I haven't really studied why he wasn't targeted, but I'm I'm just assuming that because of maybe the attention the defenses gave to him, it gave DJ Moore a better opportunity and Carolina most likely game plan for uh, DJ to get his target share and opportunities up. Right. Well, you know, obviously McCaffrey was out and his status is still in question for um, you know, this upcoming game against Detroit. Um, I got a question for you on that later. But but in terms of this game, Mike Davis, I think, when he did run, he, he ran pretty well. I mean, he's almost five yards a pop. He, again, looks very good with those cuts. But I, I sort of felt like coming into this game, two things would happen. We'll get to Carolina's defense. But we've got a lot to talk about there. We'll get Carolina's defense in a minute. I figured Tampa would really try, after what happened last week, 
just really make a concerted effort to run the football. And they did in both both halves, especially the second half. But Carolina, I didn't think they would. I, I thought it was probably wise and the, to their benefit to to try to pass early, as pass often, even if it was intermediate. And, and you saw the distribution. Of course, they got behind in the game. They only ended up with 16 carries. Um, do you think McCaffrey could have made a, a tangible difference in the outcome yesterday? No. Yeah. And that's yeah. no disrespect to him. No, no. Uh, I just feel like Tampa has the best run defense in the, in the NFL. Agreed. And they were getting pushed around a little bit at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I, I felt like Carolina had to – I mean, just follow the same game plan that New Orleans followed. And I know it's tough because the Saints are so much more talented. But the Saints, what they did the previous week was they were able to target the short and intermediate areas. And for as good as those two linebackers are against the run and their ability to, you know, instantly react and diagnose, they are not, they're fine in coverage. They're not like particularly great, like a Fred Warner type. Right. Um, And I'm I'm referring to Levante David and Devin White. So the game where you could have used a tight end, Knock, knock. Uh, by the way, uh, on that note, uh, one, two total targets for tight ends. So, and, and maybe they could have done a better job of creating um, routes for Mike Davis, whether it's like yeah. the Texas routes or some some sort of misdirection to get him on the move. I mean, it's an aggressive defense. They're going to like really, really, really like move when – they see motion or play action. Right, right. One big staple of the Sean Payton years. I mean, I've been following his career since the New York Giants days. And I know you've you've given us a lot of insight on Sean Payton over the years. I saw you you post a clip on that speed option he used to run a while back. And he's done some creative things. But one thing Sean's always done is a good, healthy screen game, especially with the backs. I'm just not seeing it. I mean, is that something they can maybe work on a little bit, you think? The screen game, yes. Um, it's tough, though, because screens are – I don't know. It, it, it definitely requires a lot of practice, um, which <laughs> the Panthers haven't been able to – well, not many teams have been able to practice that much this year, but it, it definitely requires a lot of practice. Um, I don't know. It, it, it seems a little <sighs> – it's easy for me to say that they could practice it, but at the same time, their passing offense has been fine. It's not the right. issue with the team. Right. Uh, but I agree, yeah. Like a, a screen in this type of situation and game could definitely, uh, you know, create some positive explosive plays potentially. What was your take on the offensive line? Obviously, they rotated uh, Trent Scott there uh, with uh, Dennis Daly. Uh, I don't think I saw much of Greg Little yesterday. Um, what, did you have any, any, any takes initially on what you saw? I mean, obviously it's, it's kind of hard to, to decipher it all without really looking at all the tape, but do you, any initial thoughts on who stood out there? Uh, Trent Scott, obviously he played pretty well, uh, pro football focus gave him a high grade and, uh, that matched up with what I was watching too. And I don't, I don't get this rotation. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe you have some more insight into it. I mean, Scott was playing well. I mean, he came down and delivered a huge knockout blow on that touchdown, and 
it just looked a lot more assured. And then when I saw Daily, I, I saw the line of time struggle. I, I, mean, I don't. I don't get the rotation either, Billy. It happened last year. This really started la- – and it's a different regime, keep that in mind. But this happened last year at San Francisco. This is where I first started to notice it. Uh, they, they made a concerted effort. Ron uh, had, had one guy starting in the pregame, and then they announced it was going to be – I forget what it was, who it was. But they Ron went from, you know, having some consistency there to doing this rotational thing. And it seems like all season this is something that Matt Rule and Joe Brady have – have leaned on, and I don't think it's working. <laughs> I just don't. I don't know why they're doing it, Billy. I have no idea. I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what they're saying in the press conferences. I haven't seen any comments on it. I don't know if it's been asked or addressed, but I, I, I don't like it. It's not, you know, it's yeah, not. I mean, it's the Steve Spurrier method of quarterbacking, but at the left tackle position, which is vital in this offense. I just, I know they're talent deficient there, right there, without Okung in, but you have to have some cohesiveness there especially against a team no like- I, I totally i totally agree you have to it's all about consistency there and getting in a groove it's like a tennis player yeah. getting ready to you know start playing his first set of the game i mean he's the one hitting you're not going to replace some you're not going to replace a new tennis ball with something that hasn't been approved you're not so it, to me it's just Let's stay consistent. And if you want to have daily play, then have daily play. Now you're just rooting the guy's confidence by taking him in and out. And the same applies to Scott. I mean, he's having a great game. How, how do you think he feels exactly. when he looks back at his tape today and, and sees that he played nearly a flawless game and he's getting rotated? Now, obviously, I don't know about his conditioning situation, if he's healthy enough to do it. Could be a factor, and, yeah. We don't but, know. But, but that would obviously show up in the injury report, and that would be something the coaches could elaborate and provide transparency on. Which, I mean, to the I mean, I haven't I've been watching a lot of these press conferences. I haven't heard the question be asked much. Right. Uh, maybe you have, but I I, I haven't. I, I mean, I could have missed it. I haven't heard it yet, so I have to go back and, and dive through that. But it, it's a question I think worth at least pitching out there. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor the job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. This defense. Okay. Um, uh, so it is what it is. Uh, you know, I like to quote the great John Fox there. They, they don't have a lot to work with. Uh, they're, they're doing some things 
schematically that I know you've talked about in, in the past were a little vanilla. And to your point again, you know, the, the veterans in this secondary continue to have a bit of problem in terms of passing off coverages and matching and um, playing a lot of cover three and still having communication issues. Tom Brady wasn't his sharpest at times. You've made that point. Um, I saw the same thing you did. He made some really good throws early on that first drive, but, but he also misfired. Um, so let's just kind of maybe start with a general view of what kind of went wrong defensively here. Um, where, where are we at right now? Is it a talent issue or is the scheme bothering you? What, what's bothering Billy Marshall about this defense today? You know, I actually had took some time to think about where things are with respect to this defense. And I was just trying to find some comparables. I know people have been throwing some, uh, some teams in the past that compared to what we're witnessing now. And as regards to the defense, I think the talent is simply just, I mean, my honest opinion is I'm just not really impressed with the talent. Yeah. I mean, th- this has been a position of mine since April, and this was after the draft. I never really thought that their draft picks, especially their high ones, were particularly going to be difference makers in year one. Yeah, I, I was obviously a big fan of uh, Gross Matos and Chin, and many people know how I feel about Brown. But I just feel like this was not a unit ready to compete from day one especially Chin and YGM. Chin coming from a lower college, um, he's going to have to, or from a a division, or from a small school, he's going to have to get acclimated to the speed and the the, um, concepts of the game. And then uh, Gross Matos is having issues with, um, you know, his availability, his durability, essentially. So for me, it's a talent. And, I know there's been a lot made about the scheme and all this stuff. I just, I, I cannot, I can't get behind that the scheme is the issue. Yeah. I mean, I really can't because when I, you, you mentioned it too, John, those throws Brady was making, especially in that first half on third downs, they were like precision, precisely yeah. accurate throws. You saw the hall of famer coming out in Tom Brady there. And, and you don't, you don't see that often. I mean, obviously you know, you see with him a Holmes. You, you see it with some of these guys, but not a Matt Ryan. Not, I mean, this, this is this is exceptional stuff, legendary type of stuff you saw with some of these throws he made yesterday. But he did misfire a few times, and, and you're you're right about that with your assessment yesterday. And I I agree with you. You know, the the, the popular thing, and I look, I was the, the number one person to question the Phil Snow hire during the off season. I, I was very vocal about it. I said, you know, I have concerns. But at the end of the day, we're kind of where we are right now, and there's not much you can do, and you're not going to fire the guy midseason, and you're probably not going to fire the guy after the season. I don't think that would be fair because he is working with (laughs) – maybe it was his idea to bring Tahir Whitehead. Maybe it was his idea to not – or maybe he was part of the input process of not re-signing James Bradbury, who's been exceptional in New York right now. But um, they just don't have a lot to work with. Derek Brown is not impacting – enough plays and that's your first draft pick that's your top 10 guy um, if, if you and i, I recommend not, not changing the game at all right now yeah and, and the, the the sour part for panthers fans would be that javon kinlaw had like a big game yesterday at one and a half exactly. sacks and, against the saints you know who else and again I, I know you probably have a pretty good grasp on what you're seeing in arizona but i'm seeing isaiah simmons come along a little bit here the last few weeks he's getting more reps He's settling in. His PFF grade has gone up. 
And, you know, I, again, there's mixed feelings about Simmons, and they've kind of got their hybrid with Chen there. But you're looking for somebody that can, if, if he can't change the game, at least do what you're asked to do at a high level. And in that big yeah. run, we'll, we'll talk about this right here, the, the, the record-setting run, the, the longest run ever allowed by the Carolina Panthers, 98 yards in the 26-year history of this franchise. So, and Derek, Brown, Derek Brown's not on the field. I mean, <laughs> so uh, let, that, that play, what the hell happened? I mean, okay, so I, actually, I do know White, what happened. Whitehead that far to his right, or that far to the offense. So right. he's obviously this, moving, but he's moving with motion. Burris doesn't fill the gap. That's at least my view. And, you know, Trey's back there in center field, and there's not much you can do at that point. Okay, so let me just break it down from what I heard and what I saw. From what I heard during his postgame presser, Matt Rules, he said that they were running a slant. And what essentially that means is each of the defensive linemen, they slant into the opposite gap. And yep. so you can see the three, the first three defenders, Kerr, um, Kerr, Roy, and the other guy, I think it's Burns, they're all slanting um, towards our opposite gap. Because they really want to... YGM, it was 97. Yes, and he gets completely washed out of the play by... Yep. Tristan Wirfs, and that just kind of throws it off because YGM is supposed to be slanting to that B gap where he can kind of just maybe bounce things outside or just hold the point of attack a little bit so the linebackers can fill. Because he doesn't do that, that opens up just enough of a crease for, I mean, any running back can do that. I'm not really trying to give credit to Jones, I'll oh, give him credit for the speed he showed. Drive my grandmother could have gotten fifty on that one, <laughs> but but still, you have to the the just the timing and everything just worked really well for Tampa and Carolina's. That um, they weren't able to manage the situation. By that I mean Trey Boston's got to make that tackle. Yeah, I mean we've been seeing this for a long time. I've defended him many times on here. He has to make that tackle. Right. I no, mean, he does. He does. this is getting to a point where it's becoming a little tiring seeing him just completely miss tackles in the open field. Right. And again, I'm saying here that the initial culprit and the reason why Jones was able to find that room was because YGM didn't do his job. But because defense is a team game, you need your other players, your teammates to bail you out in certain situations. And Boston didn't do it. I mean, Chin tried his hardest to get back downfield, and he couldn't. Maybe he went for the tackle a little too early, in my opinion, should have kept running. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, it was... He's at least trucking. I mean, he had exceptional speed, by the way. I mean, Ronald Jones is no... It's no slops with the speed. And I think that showed a, a pretty good amount of athleticism to, to stay but, current with him. And, and um, I want to get to a bigger discussion here because I mentioned earlier when I was uh, – when I mentioned that I've been thinking about how to compare this unit. And the team that comes up to me, and it, it's the 49ers. Uh-huh. You go back three years ago, 2017, they had not a good draft – I mean, they were picking high in the draft. They picked Solomon Thomas, I think, number two or number three overall. Number three overall because they traded that pick to Chicago for Trubisky. And you you see what talent did for them the next 
two years. Oh, absolutely. They were able to find guys like Fred Warner. They were able to develop their secondary guys like Tart and Tr- how much Tart. Would, how much would you love a Fred Warner right now? God, he is so good. Yeah, they were able to develop their secondary, their young secondary safeties. They were able to get, find a guy like Fred Warner. And then the cherry on top, the net, the final season was they were able to draft Joey or Nick Bosa. Yeah. And I mean, they already had those two defensive linemen, Armstead and Buckner at the time they drafted really highly. So maybe that's a model for Carolina. I'm not really, I know fans can be impatient, but I mean, these things do take time and, and I'm not, yeah, I mean, we'll have this conversation in January maybe, but it's the question of, do we trust the people who are tasked with making these roster decisions, be able to, find a Fred Warner or a Nick Bosa or DeForest Buckner and so on. So it's it's going to come down to really a talent evaluation. And, um, you know, for this defense, I I mean, I think they're doing as best they can. And we we saw it yesterday. I mean, Brady was throwing some really accurate throws and uh, the defense was in the right spot. We just didn't do a good enough job of uh, finishing. No question. Uh, Derek Brown, by the way, played 53 snaps at 66%. They were on the field a ton. I mean, this, you know, this is what Tom Brady did to Atlanta in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Much different stage, of course, but uh, they just absolutely controlled the ball. And Carolina just cannot force a damn punt. They can't. In the third down defense, um, you know, again, we I keep hearing three-man rush, three-man rush. And I, I get it, okay, but – they're, they're trying to, to create a shell there at times. The third and 19 was very frustrating. I'll grant you that. But you just have to, at a certain point, understand you have limitations. You need as many guys there in coverage against a team like Tampa schematically. And uh, I don't have as much a problem with that as I do with maybe some of the angles, the tackling, and just the lack of pressure from the guys they're asking to do it. Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind, and everyone's mentioned the three-man rush. But they don't mention that each time Carolina like brought the blitz, like Tampa picked it up easily, and Brady yes. was able to just dissect them. Exactly. Right. And this is this is what I mean by talent. Like they're trying different things. Like there's this idea like that the coaches are being stubborn, but they're not. Yeah. And th- I know people are going to call me like an apologist for the coaches, and that's fine. But I'm trying to understand how this collection of talent is able to succeed. Right. If someone knows like this, I mean, unless you have like a Bill Belichick type defensive coordinator, or I don't even know, like even if you had Todd Bowles, like back there who goes out and blitzes as much as he does, I just, I don't really see much changing. I don't either. I mean, you know, they, they don't have, of course, Dante Jackson's injury hurts them. He continues to come in and out with his toe injury. Um, his status is unclear moving forward. Uh, Rasul Douglas has, has struggled of late, um, especially in, in some very core zone concepts. Uh, and Troy Pride's still learning the game. Um, growing pains, of course, but, you know, he's competing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, the, the back end of that secondary, your, your safeties, of, of course, 33, is, has got to do a, a better job with his angles and he's, he's got to at some point become a part of the solution in terms of creating takeaways. Um, But, you know, it it takes a village on defense to get it done. Uh, Shaq, I thought played pretty well. 
Um, of course, the peanut punch, the takeaway was great. He, he looked more active to me just by the naked eye. Um, but again, that's a big contract you're giving this guy. And you're asking a lot there. And you're coming off a, an era with Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. Of course, there's going to be some drop-off. So I think it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the patience we talked about in the preseason that, you know, this is just we, – we, you get some expectations rolling here. That that Arizona game was a bit of a mirage, I think. I think you mentioned at the time that, that Cliff didn't call a really good game there. Um, and, and Kyler, of course, was well under his average in terms of yards per attempt. Credit Carolina that did some good things in that game. But that game got me thinking, okay, you know, <laughs> they can compete with just about – anybody defensively maybe now and I was like oh let me take a step back and look at this a little closer and I think you were right that that was more of a byproduct of Arizona not doing things up to their standards and of course Hop was limited in that game by the way what a catch yesterday that was Jesus um but I, I think you're right I mean it's talent it's uh you can put Belichick in there maybe he's the one guy in the world that could scheme this defense up to respectability um Third long is you just got to get better. I mean, you just got to find a way to get better. Brian Burns, again, is the the only real guy consistently that's getting pressure. And Obata, too, yesterday, you, you pointed this out, did a good job. I, I thought maybe they could have used him more in passing downs at the three technique uh, with um, Ali Marpet out. I figured that would be a point where they could get some uh, get a little bit edge there. But, you know, obviously they, they didn't do that. And they are where they are defensively. Um, so, yeah, it was a tough loss. Uh, you You get doubled up at home against a very good team who played very bad the week before. And I think we now understand maybe this is the reality of this team moving forward. They're now in the top 10. They're ninth in the draft order. You don't want to look too far ahead, but some of these teams in front of them in the draft order aren't necessarily quarterback needy. So, uh, you know, the, the race for Trevor seems a little out of reach, but they, they need to continue to build on what they've been doing so far this year, I think, and then don't get too far down the road with all that shit. Um, as we turn our attention to next week, you've got the Lions. Um, some thoughts. I know Matt Stafford is a little bit questionable right now. Um, what have you seen from Detroit this year? Have you paid attention to these guys at all? And I know Matt Patricia, he's under a, a lot of heat right now in Detroit. Uh, some of the players have been kind of calling him out <laughs> in the media. Or at least there was an article I read about some of his uh, – some of his, uh, you know, I guess, ways of coaching, and it, it kind of fell on deaf ears. Uh, where are the Lions? What, what, what do you see with this team, and is Carolina in a position where they can maybe pull one out here? Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity for Carolina to win. I expect them to as well. I just don't think Detroit is very good. And if you watch a lot of their games, they are a team that does not make any adjustments. I mean, freaking Alex Smith, who – nearly had his leg decapitated, <laughs> led Washington down to 21 unanswered points in the fourth yeah. quarter. Alex Smith uh, was doing some things that I haven't seen him do in a long time, maybe ever, in terms of vertical passing. Yeah, I, I mean, for, to me, I, I don't think Detroit's very good. Um, well, we'll dive into that in more depth uh, coming up on our Friday edition of the Roar Podcast as we close things out here. Any final thoughts on where Carolina is moving forward, Billy? No, I mean, three and seven is three and seven, but at the same time, you've just played a very good opponent, so there's nothing to feel uh, too down on, and the next two games give you an opportunity to respond. Now, um, it doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey will be back this week, but we have to watch. I think Bridgewater will probably play, 
And yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a good opportunity for them to bounce back. And I expect that they will in a big way. And I'm sure we'll dive into that more on Thursday with our guest. No question about it. Uh, We will do that. And again, we appreciate everybody for your support out there. Check us out every Tuesday and Friday right here on Blue Wire. For Billy Marshall, I'm John Ellis. Thanks for listening to The Roar. We will see you on Friday. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-on bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.